Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Babes podcast. I'm your host, Valerie Adams, mindset coach, entrepreneur, and manifestation enthusiast. I am obsessed with supporting you in living the life of your dreams. Each week, I'll be providing you with a quick bite of mind food so you can live the life that you were put on this planet to live. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Babes podcast. I am so freaking excited for today's guests and today's topic. It's going to be really, really magical. I have Taylor Higgins with me. She is an international best-selling author, former Miss Massachusetts teen and NHL Boston Bruins ice girl. And, you know, beyond that, I'm just so touched to have her on the podcast. I actually found Taylor because I was on a walk with my friend Kendra and I mentioned to Kendra, which Taylor, I don't even think you know this part. I told Kendra, I said, you know, I'm feeling really pulled to learn more about narcissism and learn more about manipulative qualities because the last thing I want is for a client or any woman who comes into my space to get into a relationship like that. And so I really want to know the signs more. And Kendra said, you know, I read this book. It's called Between the Stitching and the author is incredible. I couldn't put the book down. You'll love it. And so instantly I said, send me the link right now to, so I could buy the book, bought the book. It came within a day, which Amazon Prime usually takes two days read the book in three days, couldn't put it down, felt so moved. I reached out to Taylor on Instagram. Less than a week later, here we are um, on this interview. And I'm just so, so honored to have Taylor on the podcast. So I'm super excited to introduce Taylor. I'm not even going to bother telling you what the book is about because all I can say is that it's so amazing and I want you to hear it from Taylor herself. So Taylor, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get into this discussion. It's going to be so great. So I would love if you could share with us more about your book, Between the Stitching, what inspired you to write it, just the whole backstory. Yeah, I'll take you through it. So originally writing it was just therapy for me, right? I went through a really toxic relationship, which I'll take you through in just a second, but um, it was my way of healing. It was my way of dealing with what I had gone through. And it was also at the time, because the abuse was so substantial, it was a way for me to remember what was actually happening. So I was detailing things for my own sanity, really, Um, but it was therapeutic. And then it took me leaving the relationship and actually getting comfortable talking to others about why I had left. and when I did that, when I started telling people why I had left, I had, I had realized that a lot of other women, men and women, I should say, had gone through similar abuse or similar toxic relationships. And I was like, hey, I think that this is, I'm opening up a can of worms with this. And I think that there, there really needs to be a discussion about this. Um, a little bit about my book, Between the Stitching. I published it in 2018. Within the first two weeks, it became an international bestseller. It just blew up. I think it's because you're, it's just so relatable. My whole motto is being so raw with your truth, and that opens the doors for healing for so many, for so many other people, for so many different reasons. You know, it just being comfortable acknowledging what happened to you um, allows other people to do the exact same thing, right? 
-hmm. And it opens the door for them to talk and talking is healing. It's just a really beautiful thing. So between the stitching is about a relationship I had. Um, I was dating a guy who was a professional baseball player, but that's really not what the story is about. Bigger picture is that he, I thought he was my soulmate. And over a period of time, his mask fell off and I ended up being in love with somebody that didn't exist. I was in love with the fake side that he showed me. And it was really scary because I didn't sign up for that. And I was introduced to so much abuse. Um, I was introduced to the word narcissist, narcissism through the relationship at the time. I didn't even know what that stuff was. Like you were saying, like you wanted to educate yourself more on it to help people, but so many people live through it and they're not even aware of what's actually going on. So I was going through the cycle of abuse and I was just attached to the good moments, the small moments that we did have. And over the course of two years, I stayed with this man and I eventually had to stop loving him because he couldn't love me correctly. And that's so sad. And I, he came from a really, the story is obviously much bigger than what I'm sharing, but he came from a very broken household. Family dynamic was strange. And I was like, I can show this man what love is. I want to fix him. He, he has potential. Like we always cling on to potential. I got this. I can show him because I'm whole. And in the process, I actually ended up losing myself, found myself at many different rock bottoms. It was at a point where I couldn't even make eye contact with people. I was terrified to have conversation. I was not functioning in society at all. And it took me just feeling numb inside and feeling completely broken to leave. So I had to rediscover myself after, I guess, surviving loss and trauma and how, what that rebuilding process looked like. So that's essentially between the stitching. It's from falling in love to falling out of love forcefully and then picking up your pieces, you know, when you just don't know where to begin again. Mm, wow. And Taylor, I know that your intention with writing the book is, is like, so someone could feel like they were there with you. And that was my experience. I think like I had trouble sleep. Of course, I'm like reading till one in the morning. My boyfriend's like, are you going to bed? And I was having, like, I it was showing up in my dreams because I felt like it was happening to me. That's how well-written Taylor's book is, is that you feel like you were with her. So I'd love to hear more about your intention with your, your writing style. I felt, and this is why I feel so drawn to you now. I feel like we're friends. I feel like I was there with you through it. So was there anything that had you felt called to write your book in such a way that it can move someone like that? I think it was when I was documenting the abuse, it was like the journal entries that really triggered me to write in the style of making people feel like I was there. I've also just always been called to writing. I love to write. And I've always said, if you want, we all have a story to share and I encourage everyone to do so because there's healing in that. Um, but when it comes to writing, if you can move people, if you can make them feel something, anything, pain, hurt, sadness, happiness, or if you can make them feel like they're standing in the room watching this all occur, then you've already won. You've already done something huge. Writing is so impactful, but you have to want to do it in a way that will impact people's lives, will change people's lives. And I did it to really just help people and make them, and to move people, to move myself and then to move other people. So beautiful. Yeah, it, it, that and that is so true. I felt so moved reading it. So what what type of woman do you feel like should read your book or should start to look into what narcissism is because what you said, you're like, I didn't even know mm -mm. about it. So what, what are some of the things that you feel like would pull someone to learn more? It could go any way there. So both men and women, obviously I want to say can be a narcissist. It's not just something that 
Um, I, obviously, I do hear more from women, but just being on social media and talking about this platform, I do hear a lot from men as well. Um, I would recommend anybody read the book because one, you might just want to learn about it for preventative reasons, whether you're already married, happily married, but you have children that maybe are starting to date um, or you've gone through it and you're looking to heal to find peace, or maybe you have a friend or a family member that's experiencing this. I feel like we all know someone in a toxic relationship or someone that suffered loss or heartbreak, and you can learn from all of that. Um, even if you've never been with a narcissist, I bet you felt pain one time in your life. So healing through pain, rediscovering yourself after losing yourself is such a big message. Um, and I think that that can all be found in the book. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I love all the details you share about it because you really did. And it seemed that way in the book and maybe because I was reading it fast, you were able to put your life back together after this heartbreak, and I know that's something you're really passionate about, is that there is life after the relationship. So I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, for the longest time, I mean, you know, too, just going through a toxic relationship, having lived through or meeting your rock bottom, staring at yourself, your reflection in the mirror as you're sobbing on the floor. Like we've, many of us have found ourselves there and it's really hard to put one foot in front of the other and figure out where you're going to go from there. And I, it took me a long time in my book. I don't know if you recall, but I document the first 21 days after I left him because it's, you, you know, it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. And I, there was so much regret after all that he had done to me, all the cheating, the lies, the manipulation. I regretted my decision to leave. I questioned it so much. I didn't see life without him. And I was just basically given the task of mourning the loss of somebody that was still very much alive. And I struggled with that so hard. And not only did I struggle with losing him, but then moving on, what my life would look like, what my future relationships, future relationships would look like after that. It was just really hard. And I wanted to be the light at the end of the tunnel for other people and make this a more normal, more comfortable, common conversation because it's a lot more common than we think. It's just not a discussion. And if we can shed some light on that, that would be, that's, that's huge. That's incredible. Yeah. What were some signs? Because for those of you who have not yet read Taylor's book, she writes about, and I'm doing air quotes, Skylar. It's not his real name. No. Um, she writes about her relationship with Skylar, you know, from the beginning. So I'd love to hear from you, Taylor. What were some signs that you saw maybe early on or looking back because hindsight's 2020, right? Where you, I'm sure a lot of stuff made sense as you were removed from the relationship. I'd love to hear some things that you recall, you know, that kind of led you to be like, something's not right here. Yeah. And the, I mean, people like, how long, how long did it take for you to realize that there was something wrong? And I will be completely honest within the first few months, there were flags. Not only did his ex, one of his exes reach out to me and like warn me. Um, and I was like, no, no, he's, he's a, it can't be, he's a great guy. Um, but some of the initial warning signs were definitely control. He loved to control, had something to say about everything that I did, um, was very, very manipulative. Everything was always my fault. Could not handle confrontation, like period at all. Um, if I brought, to, it could be a very small issue. It could be a huge issue, whatever it was, I'd come to him and he would either just break down sobbing, would just immediately become a victim, like could not function like a normal man. And at the time he was late twenties, so, something was definitely off. And I just kept blaming it on the strange family dynamic. He had a really crazy career. And I was like, I can be his light. I can fix him. And I just kept clinging on to that. But th there were so many things, manipulation and control were definitely some of the most profound. Um, 
And then obviously as the book continues on, there were plenty more that, that just popped out of the, the woodwork, but we'll, we'll jump into that too. But yeah, it's tons of, tons of flags. Yeah. What, what would you say are some flags that, you know, can stand out? And I know this will probably come up organically and I'd love to ask too, because there are, you know, a lot of the women who listen to this podcast, they're single and dating, or they're similar to you and they've experienced a relationship that was toxic or maybe an almost relationship, right? Where it was like that person really kept them at an arm's distance. There wasn't the full commitment. Are there any signs that you can share that someone can look out for, or maybe they're in that situation right now to yeah. show them that they may be in a toxic situation? Yeah. I mean, I can recall especially him too, he was very emotionally unavailable, um, had a really hard time like bringing me into his world. He didn't have many friends, uh, was another really big flag. Um, and just not being able to have those, like I was saying, conversations, not being able to express how he feels are definitely some huge warning signs right off the, you know, right in the beginning of time. Um, I'm sure you've experienced some too, but not being in tune with like human interaction is, is so huge. If you, you know, can't come to somebody and ex express how you're actually feeling without them having those highs and lows, those, those crazy, like, freak out moments or just breaking down sobbing over something very minute we have a problem yeah. we definitely have a problem houston we have a problem oh my gosh yeah so i know that in in your book you write about you had you know close relationship with the wags which stands for wives and girlfriends right yeah, yep. yeah so you had support somewhat and the gist i got was that it was a lonely time and you felt almost isolated, you know, during your experience. And that's actually what I've experienced too. When I've been in relationships with men who, you know, were toxic, I felt very alone. There was a level of me where I felt like I couldn't come to people. I felt like I had this image of like, this man is great because both relationships started really fast. It was that like, quote unquote, like being swept off your feet and there's an image to uphold. And so I know that you speak a lot about, about that. Um, but I'd love to hear more about your experience, kind of keeping that image and what it really was like and who you did confide in. If you, if you did have people you trusted back then. Yeah. So like you were saying, that's a perfect example. Another warning sign, you know, with, if it starts very quickly, let's get married, let's have kids, the whole nine yards just happens so suddenly. And Initially, I mean, I had never experienced anything like that. So I was very excited and I told everyone I posted about it on all my social media pages There were pictures of us. We looked like the perfect couple. And if you met him, if you saw a picture of him, he looked like this kind, gentle, he was a very shy person. So everyone knew that they knew us from the outside looking in when things started to actually happen behind closed doors. I would tell a few people. I, I told a couple close friends. I did tell my mom at the time but I made light of what was actually happening because I didn't want anybody to get the wrong impression of him and dislike him because I would have to deal with not only my own emotions, but then I would have to deal with their emotions and their opinions of him as well. And I just couldn't handle that at the time. Um, confiding, with, confiding in people is short-lived. It was for me at least because I, number one, didn't really want to burden them with, we all have issues and I didn't want to keep going to them. This happened, this happened. Cause they would just say, why are you still there? Why are you still putting up with it? And not a lot of people understand why you stay. And that's a huge part of my message because leaving abuse is very, very difficult. And if you haven't lived through like cycled toxic abuse, it's very hard to understand why people stay. 
Um, so I stopped telling people. I stopped telling my mom because I didn't want her to have an impression. I didn't want her to say, well, he can't come in my house. And I didn't want my friends to you know, have a, this impression of me that I couldn't stick up for myself or, or handle stuff on my own. So I bottled it up and I stopped confiding in people. And that's why it's so hard to be a victim of abuse because you eventually just lose your, the people that you confide in. You get uncomfortable with it because you've probably told them so many times what's been going on and either they, they really can't relate or they don't want to hear it anymore. So you just isolate yourself. And of course you don't have him to talk to or her to talk to whoever it may be because they don't want to have a, a normal conversation or you can't confront them. So it's just you, yourself and I, and it's, it's very, very hard. Yeah. It's almost like the person you are, you were with at the time. And this even like reminds me of one of my experiences. It's like, they almost prefer you to be isolated because if people on the outside, people who you really care about, like family, close friends really knew what was going on, they would probably try to talk some sense into you or, you know, so do you have any, any thoughts around that? hundred percent. Yes. He always wanted to isolate me. He put, I always say he put me in this little bubble and didn't want anyone to have access to me. He had things to say about my friends and why I shouldn't be friends with them. He had things to say about my mom. He just wanted to build my own little world. And he, I literally lived in a bubble and I didn't have access to society. I couldn't go out with, I, I mean, at the time I was in pageants and I was supposed to be going to events, I bailed on so many different things because he was, he would accuse me of, of cheating on him or, you know, mm -hmm. every little thing I could put makeup on and I put makeup on because I was cheating on him. The projection of everything I did made me crawl back into that bubble that I lived in because every place that I possibly wanted to go, even if it was going to the grocery store with my mom, he would find an issue with that. So it was just easier to stay in the bubble. Wow. Yeah. It's like, you probably, you were like, I just want to fly under the radar, not cause any problems. And it probably made you almost like, <laughs> like this paranoid, like where you're looking at all the possible like uh, upsets that could happen. And yeah. It, yeah, it's like so much of you trying to like mitigate any future damage. So walking on eggshells, that's walking. what my life was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, he could make a fight out of anything, it, even as simple as getting my hair done. I have been blonde my entire life. And he would say, you know, you just want to be blonde for attention and would convince me to, to dye my hair in, in another color. So I went brunette for a while because he said so. And you did? I can't imagine that. I know. I, was, I didn't recognize myself, but I didn't know who I was at the time anyways. But it was just so, it's crazy to think that somebody could, that you love so much, could control your mind. They, they have this grasp on your mind. And not a lot of people understand what that's like. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it is that pulls you back? Because I love what you said, how you, you were saying it's like, it, it's almost like it doesn't make sense to someone who's not in the relationship and from the outside looking in. I know you shared with me that you, some people have had different reactions to your stories where some people completely empathize and understand. And then there's some people who are not. So what would you say it's like, you know, being, and, and I know you don't look at yourself this way and I look at you this way, you know, a victim of someone's abuse. I know you're not someone who's like, I'm a victim because you've created so much in your life. And that's, that's, you know, how I look at it. So what would you say, you know, is that what it's like for someone who's on the inside of it right now? There's this thing called uh, tra a trauma bond and it's a real like medical term that people use. And your mind is so used to just basically taking abuse that it forms this, it's like an addiction and you're addicted to 
the tiny bits and pieces of happiness that you get and you basically are addicted to decent behavior. So when they show you a, a, a fleck of decent behavior, that keeps you around and you're mm -hmm. just quite literally addicted to this toxic behavior and breaking out of that trauma bond is near impossible. It's so hard. And people always ask me, how did you leave in the end? And it really took me, there's no shortcut. There's no secret to it. Um, my recommendation would be to do your research on the things that are happening to you because obviously knowledge is power. And the more you can understand the behavior, the the more powerful you'll feel and maybe you'll be able to have a better grasp on what's happening, understanding like the why behind it. Um, but I left when I felt numb, like I, I detail in my book, I had felt like my insides were frozen. I had no emotion. And I just, I almost looked at him with just disgust at, at that point because I had nothing. I had, I was just completely dead and empty inside. And I knew at that point that I couldn't live my, the rest of my life the way I was living it. Um, but I didn't know how or when I would leave. And I had to plan an escape, uh, which took a, a long time. It practically took me six months, but having the, having gone through that process, just doing as much research on, on whatever it is that you're going through would definitely be helpful, yeah. you know, helping, helping you leave. Yeah. Do you have any resources besides your, your book obviously is a place to start, um, you know, where you really started to educate yourself and give yourself that power of knowledge? Yeah, there's a couple books on Amazon that I've read. Uh, Psychopath Free is one, and then How to Kill a Narcissist. I always say this, it's a terrible name. It's basically like <laughs> how to stop a narcissist from doing um, whatever it is that they're doing. But How to Kill a Narcissist is another really good one, both on Amazon, and it basically details the behavior from a narcissist perspective, um, which is really, really great. And then, of course, social media has a bunch of platforms. TikTok, I'm huge with TikTok, and there's a couple accounts that I follow, um, one of them being healing heart and he is an actual narcissist and he speaks he's in healing he's in recovery but he speaks to you about why he why narcissists do the things that they do and I think it's fascinating to learn you know the the why behind the behavior and that there is a reason for it yeah and then what's your name on TikTok we'll link it in the show notes but for anyone so, I am the Taylor Higgins on TikTok and I do videos and we talk about broken relationships and narcissism all the time so yeah. feel free to follow me there they are so good. And I've seen Taylor's content on TikTok and I would say there, she gives a lot of value bombs. Like you will watch her 15 second video and she's like, just, uh, expert educator yeah. there. So value bomb. Yeah. Value bomb. I love it. So did you start your journey of researching and really trying to understand what was happening? Was it while you were in the relationship or at what point did you start? Oh. That's the thing. And, and it took me getting out of the relationship and telling people, act, I was truthful about what happened once I was out of it, but I was so embarrassed about what was going on. I never spoke about it. And the more I talked about it after the fact, people were like, I think he was a narcissist. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then I was like, I found out all of the other terms behind that behavior. And there's so much that goes into it. But at the time, I did not know to, to look for the signs. And I didn't know to research it. I just thought, I, th I simply thought he was damaged. And I think that's the most disturbing part of it all is that I just, I, I just, it went right by me. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah. That's so crazy. I and I know I don't want to spoil anything because everyone gets to read the book. I've been holding your book the whole time, by the way. I'm like holding it like a teddy bear. <laughs> like holding it. Um, and like, I know you, you, like you said, planned an escape. So is there, was there like a defining moment or a shift that you remember where you finally, because 
in the book, you shared about how he would, you know, there would be a really big fight and then he would do these grandiose, just amazing gestures, say he wants to marry you, all that. And so, you know, was there a defining moment in which you knew like, okay, it's for real this time? Yeah. I mean, luckily for me, we didn't live in the same state. And I think that I had the upper hand against so many other people. I know, I know there's people that share children with narcissists, which I cannot imagine. Um, and I know that there's people obviously that live in the same state, which is probably the most common. Um, and I was lucky that I was from Massachusetts. And the last time I saw him was in Florida, where his, his job had him stationed at the time. And I think I knew I went back to Florida to visit him knowing that I didn't want to be with him, but I wasn't able to deal with losing him physically and losing him like mentally at the same time. So I had to break up with him in my mind. I had to almost heal him in my, the, the loss of him in my mind before I could deal with even, you know, approaching the physical loss of him. Um, because I was so broken that having losing both at the same time, like not being able to speak to him and not being able to see him all at once. I just, I couldn't fathom that thought. Mm -hmm. So I, I went down and I saw him one last time and I just looked at him and I, he could, he left the toilet seat up one time and I was like enraged by it. I just knew that there was nothing left to our love story and I knew it was just dead in the water, but it was, it had to be me to walk away because it would just keep going if I stayed. I think that cycle would have gone on a lot longer if I hadn't left. Mm -hmm. And it just took me acknowledging like, you can't live forever like this. It's going to be you that walks away. You can't live another day like this. And I up and left while he was at work. As I talk about in the book, I just packed up and I kissed him goodbye. Like nothing ever happened that day. And I got on a plane and went home. Wow. And, and I had to, I, I couldn't sit down and have the conversation with him. Cause I knew it would turn into, you know, we can work this out. It's, you know, yeah. this is something that we can get through together. And I couldn't do that to myself one more time. And he did attempt, you know, much later in life to, he's like, he would reach out and say, I miss you, but I couldn't have that in person. So, yeah. Is there, so something that I've experienced and I've heard from women too, who have left toxic relationships, it's, it, it is like you said, you're like, I had to be the one to walk away because you knew, and it's almost like this, he wouldn't have let you go. And I've had that experience too. I feel like there's with, toxic men they do like to keep tabs on their exes I remember when I had left my um relationship that was narcissistic I worked with a love coach and I was like he's still like he does weird things like he's helping my friend's boyfriend get a job like I, I was like I feel like he's just staying kind of present in my life and that's what my love coach had said she was like yeah you know they like to keep tabs on their exes it's just something that is going to happen to you so you need to be aware so do you have any thoughts around that I agree. And I mean, they feed off of like reactions and they try to get a rise out of you. That's why we refer to victims as a supply. And I know that sounds kind of harsh to refer to a person as a supply, but narcissists have such huge egos that need to be filled. So quite literally a weak, a weak individual is their supply and mm -hmm. they will feed off of any type of reaction. And that's why when in, when in terms of leaving a narcissist, the best way to leave them is or how to starve a narcissist is by giving no reaction, you know, not being worked up, not feeding into their, the big issues or the stunts that they pull or helping someone get a job, not reacting to that. Well, they'll be like, Oh my God, now I need to, I need to find somebody else that will give me that attention because they live for attention. 
Wow. That makes so much sense. I'm like, (laughs) mind blown. Yeah. And I'm sure just anyone listening already, there's been so many like ahas and clicks. And I know something you had said before we hit record is that, you know, because I know you research narcissism a lot. So do you feel like people do possess narcissistic qualities, just normal, quote unquote, normal people? And when does it become an issue? When can we, because I noticed that narcissism, it's kind of trending right now. I feel like it's being really talked about and we get to be careful about who we label as a narcissist because you know, I have from the research I've done, I know there are narcissistic traits that live in a, within us. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that and when it becomes an issue. Yeah, I definitely think that the word narcissist is overused in today's mm-hmm. generation. I think everyone, you, someone is, is manipulative and they're automatically labeled a narcissist. Um, narcissists, they have, um, they're materialistic or um, they might have a huge ego. Those are all qualities of a narcissist, but that doesn't mean that you are a narcissist. Just because you ha- might have expensive things doesn't make you a narcissist. Um, so I definitely think the term is, is overused for sure. Um, but in terms of of just, you know, having, you know, what I think of that, that word in general. Um, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. Can you edit this? <laughs> yeah. So like when, when we're so quick to label someone a narcissist, which, which you touched on, it's like, just because someone enjoys nice things or, you know, they have an ego or whatever, it doesn't mean they're a narcissist and it's kind of overused. And do you believe that we, like, we have narcissistic traits within us and it's when it's almost like there can be an imbalance? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think that behavior is learned. And I think to an extent, some of it must come somewhere in your childhood. That's why, especially, you know, moving on from a narcissist and, and entering the dating world again, I always ask, what is your relationship like with your family? Because I do to an extent feel like all behavior is learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, in my narcissist case, he did, as I mentioned before, many times he did have a weird family dynamic, but they were very controlling of him. And I felt like his projection of what he was doing to me was basically what he couldn't control in his own life with his, his parents. I felt like what he couldn't have at home, you know, in the normal relationship with your parents, he was doing with me. So he would control me in ways that he never, in the decision makings that he never could really do for himself at home. So yeah. there's, there's many different ways. It could be you learned it from somebody or it could be just something that you're missing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know because you have such a big heart and you loved this man, it seemed like in your book, which makes sense, you are constantly piecing things together. The more time you spent with his family and observed the funky dynamics, you were like, oh, I get it. So is there, is it common for women who, you know, are in relationships that are toxic, you know, with a narcissist that they're constantly trying to not justify rather like figure out, you know, oh, here's why he's the way he is and I can help fix him. I can heal him. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's human nature to see the need, you know, if someone's broken and you can identify that it's, it's human nature to want to fix them. Um, but I don't think, you know, it's, it's hard to, to put yourself in someone's shoes when you're just watching someone, you know, obviously be broken and people around you don't understand why you want to fix them. And it's just, it's just so hard for people to understand. Oh yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you when you decided to write your book and come forward and share details. And I know that you changed names and protected identities. Was there any fear of backlash from your ex, his family that came up when you were so bravely sharing your story? 
Yeah, I initially thought that I would hear from them and, you know, they would all, because they always got the last word and I expected that. Um, and I was afraid of that. And I was also afraid of what people would think because I stayed far longer than I should have. And looking back and, and reading that, it's hard to read and watch, you know, all I stayed through. But, you know, I didn't hear from him and I didn't hear from his family. And I've heard through mutual acquaintances that they have no interest in reading it, probably because they think it's lies, because he's always right. Um, but I did fear for backlash. I was afraid of what people would say about, you know, my choice to stay for so long. I was embarrassed. And when I tell you, when I published, I didn't get any bad like backlash, bad feedback at all. It was all people that had experienced to some extent what I went through and I was just relating with people. And it was the complete opposite of what I feared actually. And it was, it was incredible to see how many, not incredible, I guess, but how common this was and how many people I could touch just by sharing something that scared me. Yeah. Yeah. And I can attest to that too. And when when you, anyone listening, when you check out the link on Amazon for Taylor's book, you will see glowing five-star reviews and they all say something very similar around, you know, I couldn't put this book down so well written. You know, I felt like I could relate with her experience. And there was a reason why Taylor so bravely put herself out there and shared her story. So what, what was that driving force for you to share your story with the world? I really think it came down to when I started opening up to people, like I, I held on to my story for so long. I, I kept everything in, I bottled it up. And when I started speaking on it, I got nothing but people that had experienced the same thing. And given my nature and my love to write, I was like, I have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And it was the validation of so many other people's stories that, that had, you know, when I came forward, so many other people started speaking on it. And it was when I started bringing strangers to tears, because, you know, I'd, I'd be out and about and I'd be like, oh, I'm writing a book and oh, what about? And it would just start a conversation and I would break people down in a store that I didn't know because they had gone through something. And I'm like, why isn't this, why isn't this, why aren't more people talking about this? How is it, this not a common conversation? Why aren't there movies? And I mean, I'm sure there are, but to this extent and, and in this generation, I'm just not seeing it. And I just felt so called to talk about it because I was breaking into so many people's lives. Mm, so beautiful. And I know that you are from when we talked, you know, before our interview, you just, you have such a massive heart. And I know that this is just like, you haven't even touched the surface of the impact that you're here to make. So I'd love to hear more about what you're most passionate about and what you see, you know, with moving forward, the way you can help so many women. I will do anything to connect with more people. And that's why doing things and, and meeting people like yourself that have these incredible platforms that just want to get a conversation going. I love that. And I will, I'm willing to do that in any way, shape or form. I, we spoke briefly, but you know, in the future moving forward, I would love to see people be able to attend retreats or seminars to educate themselves on this. Um, I want to be a driving force alongside people like you to educate our generation about what's going on and how to avoid this. I mean, I feel like I lost years of my life going through that relationship. There were times that I questioned living in that relationship and nobody should have to go through with that. And and if you do find yourself in that situation, I want you to be educated on how to get out or, you know, alternate solutions or, you know, just ways that, you know, you have somebody to talk to. Knowing that you have the support in any way, shape or form is huge. Um, and that's why we're here. Yeah. Oh, 
I got chills on my left arm. Truth bumps <laughs> when you said that. True. I mean, imagine, and you, you've lived through it, being there, and you just feel like you have no one to talk to. But then imagine having this conversation with your, you know, imagine if we could speak to our old selves mm. and, and what we could tell them, you know, just having somebody. And I feel for everyone that I relate with on social media, on TikTok, I try to read as many messages as I can. And I it just it brings me back to those moments and I try to respond to as many people as I can. And that's why I do like live videos and I know you coach and, and that's so powerful because people are just looking for someone to talk to. I mean, I have women that are hiding in their laundry room trying to, to message me without their husband knowing because they need help and they're stuck and there's just no one to talk to. And if you feel like you can't talk to your family member and you're reaching out to someone online, I mean, there just needs to be a, an easier way to access people that have this kind of information. And Again, that's why we're here. Yeah, 100%. So this is a question that I've been wondering. What do you wish somebody would have said to you when you were, you know, at your lowest point when people probably, you know, some people who were still close to you, maybe like your mom or some friends or maybe some wags who were still in your circle. What do you wish someone would have said to you that could have really made a difference in your journey? I think back right when you said that the first thing I thought of was my dad had said something and my mom and dad were arguing because I was just a mess and and they were like my, my dad just said to my mom she has to live through it and to an extent I feel like it's part of our journey to live through you know whatever it is that we have to go through it because it launches you quite literally to who you need to become and I don't know if I would have been become an author or I don't know if I would have connected with you or so many other great people if I hadn't gone through it and it just stuck with me like she has to go through it on her own she's not going to leave him no matter how many times we tell her you know when they saw me just a mess on the floor and that stuck with me and, and not to say that people should just go through it but sometimes it's just part of of your of your life that you I feel like is, is given to you for a reason because maybe it's something that you needed. Life is teaching you something that you needed that you didn't know you needed or strength that you didn't have that you, it's just kind of like a push and a direction that kind of just changes your life. And I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through that. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that. I thank him for that. Yeah. So I don't know. So beautiful. And I know you've done a ton of work around, you know, healing and being at this point, I know it wasn't like the day after you left him or like day 22 where you were like, thank you. And <laughs> you know, that complete forgiveness and really so beautifully turning your pain into your purpose. So I know you've done so much work and to your point, it really is important, you know, once you leave or even if you can get that support while you're still in a situation like that, it's like working with a therapist, a coach, a leader like Taylor, someone who has lived through it, someone who gets it, you can heal so much faster because you aren't alone as I'm sure you've probably felt at so many points. And what I would love to ask you is, you know, if anyone listening, maybe you, there's some, maybe it's not a firsthand experience or anything you're dealing with now. And you have a, a suspicion that a friend may be involved with a narcissist. How can we, you know, be there for our friends, take a stand for our friends, you know, in such a delicate situation? I'd love to hear your thoughts. They're probably used to your friend or you know, if someone is suffering in silence, they're probably used to that. They're probably used to hiding everything. So get them to talk. And we've kind of touched on this before, but 
like break into what's going on behind those those four walls at home because they're not used to sharing it and you want to break them down make them feel human again make them you know cry bring out some emotion in what's actually happening but most importantly get to the bottom of what's happening behind closed doors and once you can start to figure out what the issue is then do some research as the friend you know do that research that i was just talking about understand the behavior by behind what's happening and go to your friend go to your family member with that knowledge and share with them like this is happening for a reason not just because you know he's a terrible person she's a terrible person um but definitely bring conversation to the table because they're so used to keeping it in and they're going to feel this release that someone cares enough to just break down this barrier that they've put up for so long. It's exhausting to hide all of that and to fake this happy life, especially if you have kids. It's just, it is so tiring to put up a front. And if you have somebody that is willing to do the work to break behind like your walls, that will speak. I mean, you could be the reason that person leaves and, and it will happen much faster for them if they, if you start the conversation for sure. Yeah. And I know that you've been, you had shared with me that you've actually had a hand in supporting women to leave, you know, um, a relationship. Can you share a little bit about that? So many people have reached out and they're like, this is my situation. What do you suggest? And just by one speaking from experience, I always share, you know, whatever's happening with them. I always put my two cents in about, oh, this is how I can relate to that exact moment and kind of how I was feeling. And it just validates that how they're feeling is okay. Why they chose to stay that long is nobody's business. You don't owe anybody the explanation as to why you chose to stay. It's just having the support of somebody, you know, just getting it out there and someone saying, I went through that too how you're feeling is normal and it's going to be okay. I've stopped people from actually walking down the aisle. The summer I published my book, a woman read my book and did not go through with her wedding because of, you know, because of reading the book, it just brings light to what's happening at home. And uh, really it takes people sharing their own truth to make people stop and question what's actually happening in their own home. Mm -hmm. So true. What would you say to a woman who is, silently suffering, like you said, and she's listening to this podcast, what words would you give to her? It's never too late to start over. Some people cling on to time and history, um, you know, money invested. We've gone on so many trips. We've done all this. We have a house together. We have kids together. It is never too late to begin. And one of the most common questions I get is, how do you leave with kids? I'm so afraid. I don't want him to, him or her to be alone with the kids, whatever it is. Think about, as I was saying earlier, behavior is learned behavior. So your children will grow up in an environment where they think manipulation, um, control, no trust, no loyalty, they'll think that's normal. And then your child could end up finding themselves in a relationship later down the line as the abuser or a victim of the exact same thing that you're going through if you choose not to, if you choose to stay. So if anything, just know that there's always a, a way out, but it takes time. So just because I'm saying that there's a way out, I understand that it doesn't happen immediately. I know some people are financially dependent on an abuser. There's so many factors that go into it, but don't be ashamed to restart because it's, it will hurt you more in the long run to look back later in life or you know, before you even bring kids into this world to, to stare at your life and just be like, I could have done so much better. One of my favorite quotes is, there are so many mediocre things in this world, love should not be one of them. And whenever I've been in an abusive relationship or found myself just not completely happy, I've dated, of course, many people after the guy I wrote the book about on my journey of finding true love, but you know, I would just repeat that to myself. So many mediocre things in this world, but love should not be one of them. You should not spend your life being unhappy. There is somebody out there that will love you correctly. Yes, that's so beautiful. And I, I'm just like 
just so enthralled by what you're saying. And that's the stand I take too. And I know I shared this with you. It's like the reason I do the work I do is so beautiful women like you who have such a life ahead of them don't end up in a situation like this because I know your situation was bad and it could have been worse. You could have had to go through a divorce, kids, all that. And it's, it's just, this work is so powerful and I'm totally with you, Taylor. We get to normalize this conversation and, you know, for women to really be educated because the more, you know, the more power you have and you can walk away. And so I know you wrote the book in 2018 was when it was published, right? Yes. Yeah. So what has life been like for you since then, since leaving the relationship over two years ago? It's just been this like really beautiful path of just growing and finding myself. And it took me a long time to rediscover who I am and what I wanted out of life. But like I said, doing something that, you know, as something as simple as just publishing my book, it brought me to brought me so much happiness and in life to, you know, my calling. I just felt like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be now because of that story. And I am I'm thankful. Life has been beautiful since that that book. And I've met so many extraordinary people. I've met friends, lifelong friends out of it. And it's just been incredible. Mm, I love it so much. And then I'd love to ask you to, you know, what was dating like after that relationship? <laughs> you know, it was hard. So right out of the relationship, I, I thought initially that dating would keep my mind busy. Meeting new people would get my mind off of the last person. So um, I started dating and I realized how many issues I still carried. I expected to get hurt. I expected that everyone would treat me the same way that he treated me. And it was really hard for me to not give people the benefit of the doubt. And I lost a lot of good potential partners because of that, because I didn't know how to one love myself. I didn't even know who I was at that time. I was just doing my thing. And um, it was hard. It was like trial and error on my road to getting back to who I needed to be. But with each person came a lesson and I tipped my hat to all of them, but it was definitely hard. I felt like I had some sort of PTSD from what was going to, you know, what was, what had happened to me. And I carried that for a while. And it took me years for me to understand that not, not everyone is bad. Not everyone is going to cheat on you and not everyone is emotionally abusive, but it took time. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I just acknowledge you so much for sharing your story, all you've gone through. And I would love to hear what's next for you because I know you're just getting started with the impact that you're here to make. So please share what, what's happening in your world. Yeah. So lately, I mean, I've just been crushing it with social media, connecting with so many people there. I've just started working on a second book and I'm actually shooting to release that book this summer. And which is so exciting. I'm shaking for this news, but I haven't released a date yet. I know I'm so excited for that. Um, and I've also been working with a production team. I want to. We're trying to make this this book between the stitching a film. And while I can't share too much on that, that is uh, one of our end goals with this with this thing. Obviously, COVID has has delayed so much, but um, definitely going to continue my writing career. I never want to stop writing, and um, you know, just making sure that this conversation is normal, making this topic as normal as possible. It should be something that you learn, you know, not in school, but as you're growing up. I feel like this is something to be taught. Oh yeah, absolutely. So many awesome things that are going to happen for you. And, you know, so many people have an aspiration of writing a book and you made it look so easy just with sharing and you're self-published, right? 
Yes. Yep. So I didn't go to a publishing house. And a lot of people always ask, you know, how was that hard and what that process was like? Um, And honestly, becoming a a self-published author was, was really easy for me. If you can do it through Amazon too. And I encourage people, if you have a story, share that story. If you like to write, share your story. Um, If you don't like to write, but feel like you have an amazing story, there's what's called ghostwriters and people can actually write your story for you um, on your behalf. And with Amazon, they make it so simple. And I basically just typed my entire book on my MacBook and I uploaded the file to Amazon and they sent me a copy in the mail of what it would look like. And I gave them the thumbs up and it was available for sale the next day. It was that simple. So don't overthink it. If you have a message, don't underestimate that. There's a, a world full of people that need to hear your story. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. I love that you just went for it. And there's so many quote unquote hurdles that we, that we think can be hurdles that stand yeah. in the way of us really getting our voice out there. And it's like, just start. It, yeah. There's so many, like, and even with social media, I was like, I have this so much to say, but I, I always thought everything had to be perfect. And I, I never, I never wanted to put myself out there. And you know, it's a lot, it's heavy for social media, the, the topic of it. And I was like, what am I waiting for? You know, like if tomorrow was my last day, I'd be so devastated if I hadn't shared it. So I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I published the book. I got on TikTok, and, and I just will talk anywhere about anything at this point in time. Just don't hesitate. Just start, just begin. Don't fear it. Just begin. That's the only thing I can say to people that, you know, have that story. If you think that writing or speaking about something is healing to you, all the power to you because the, um, you know, the reward that you'll get from hearing how you help other people is so much greater than anything. Oh my gosh. I'm sure you just, yeah. Do you, do you save like screenshots and stuff yeah. like that from people? Yeah. Oh. My whole phone is just loaded with screenshots and they're just, they're so powerful. I mean, it makes me to this day, it's still healing for me to see how I can help people just with words. Like I'm just, it's just me talking. It's, I'm telling about, I'm telling people about something that happened in my own life and it's saving people's lives. And people have actually said that, which is just so big for me. I, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, there's your purpose right there to help people, you know, continue to live at the end of the day. So, so Taylor, I'm sure that everyone listening to this, they're like, okay, where do I find out more about this girl? We of course are going to link, um, in our show notes, how to grab Taylor's book Mm -hmm. between the stitching. So I'd love to hear, you know, what are some ways that people can stay connected with you and see what you're up to? Yeah, definitely. I am on Instagram. My Instagram is at Tay Higgins underscore. I answer all of my messages. It's important to me to answer all of my messages. So if you ever feel like you need any kind of advice, I am here for you. And then, like I said, I also post um, on TikTok. I always do advice videos or just educational videos on toxic relationships and such. And I also do live videos there too. So you can follow me at the Taylor Higgins on TikTok as well. Yay. Amazing. Yeah. I know TikTok is where you pour a lot of your genius into. So I feel like TikTok's really the place to, to go and hang out with Taylor. She pours so much into her account. Thank you so much, Taylor, for being here today. This was incredible. It just, it goes to show, like, I was even nervous to reach out to you, by the way. I was like, oh my God, you know, is she going to respond? But I felt so moved by your story. And it's just crazy because your book was introduced to me 
a, like not this past Friday, it's a Monday now, but the Friday before that. So it's like the fact that I received your book, like took action, bought it, received it, read it, reached out to you. We connected yeah. like on this interview. It, it's just, everything happens for a reason, no doubt. And I know that this is just the start of something beautiful. I definitely look forward to you know, staying in touch with you and really making an impact together because we both share very similar viewpoints on what's possible. And I'm just, I'm so honored that you took the time to be here today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Babes podcast. I hope you loved today's episode and got some takeaways from the message shared today. If anyone in your life would benefit from hearing this episode, please be generous and share it with them on your story. Tag me on Instagram at the mindful babe. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave a review on the iTunes store. Your reviews are what keeps this podcast going. And I appreciate you so very much. Have an incredible day, babe. Thank you.